Here's the question. How do you make the impossible possible? Simple. Remove the I am, the ego. Now, how do you step into that newfound possibility? With a series of small intentional steps. Never forget, the greatest among us started from humble beginnings. But to truly unlock your potential, realize you're here for something greater. If you're yearning for more than just a good life, let's take that small step together to reach greatness. Welcome to the Greatness from Small Beginnings podcast, where we're talking to those who have gone from mediocrity to motivated, overlooked to overachieving, forgettable to unforgettable. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm so glad to be sitting here with Stephanie and Anthony from, uh, okay, got to look at your name, Anthony's Asphalt. Okay. Very, so, very clear, yes. So what does that mean? What does Anthony's Asphalt Yeah, mean? what do you do? Like, So we're a full-service pavement asset management company out of Michigan. Okay, Michigan. And I like to just tell people that we do curb-to-curb contracting, very little concrete, um and we we handle all services and we don't we don't sweep parking lots so that i know that's one thing that some people add right but that's that's right now outside of our repertoire okay good so welcome to the greatness with from small beginnings podcast okay so that name says a lot right Mm kind of resonates with me because i come from nothing right not that my father and mother didn't leave me something like that because with good values and and a good work ethic, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a dollar. I didn't have two nickels to rub together as the, you know, the, the phrase might go, <clears throat> but I came from nothing. And so I started this so that I could interview people that also came from, at very least, very little. Yes. Yeah. You know, Meager beginnings, right? Meager beginnings. And, uh, and what did that mean? Right. So I would like an answer from both of you. We'll start with you, Anthony, mm-hmm. and then I'm sure that you'll have things to add. I yeah, know, I understand for sure. how this works, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, what does greatness mean for you? Like yeah. not the textbook definition, but when I say greatness from small beginnings, there's two parts, two big parts to that. Yeah. What does greatness mean to you? So, so the first part to me. Um, I think is that like that stretch and growth that you feel when you, when you don't quite have the, the power or the experience and the level of, of, uh, output that you're, that you're in Mm -hmm. and you're really pushing yourself. Like that's something that has driven the momentum and built the genesis of, of success in our lives is me doing more than I possibly thought I could that day when I woke up Mm -hmm. and and realizing it. So I, I think that that sums up, you know, it's, it's really pushing myself for new levels as, as much as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think great list like lies within hard work too. Um, that's been one of my favorite things on this journey after starting the business is it's like pushed me past what I thought my potential was physically, mentally, um, both personally and in business. So yeah. Yeah, I love those definitions because it it actually is very personal. It's a mm. personal journey. 100%. Yeah, and greatness defined by somebody out there. Okay, but but it doesn't mean as much if it isn't part of your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
part of your heart story because uh like we talked about earlier there's there's times in business where we where we cry when it's dark you know mm-hmm. and it is dark it all feels dark yeah and there's tons of times when it's joy like the the feast and famine has been you know i was in that for decades mm-hmm. and finally finally came out of that and it wasn't a dark time there were a lot of great times there but i wouldn't console, consider myself in greatness because of because there was this this lack mm-hmm. but i thought i gotta build my way out of this i don't know how to do that yeah. so i appreciate that definition yeah so give me some of your business journey and then we'll dig back a little bit further than that at some well, point. so do you want me to to include the meager part because our, our business has a very meager origin story we, yes. I was going to say humble beginnings is like, we didn't come from a contracting background. Like we don't have a long line of family that yes. was in the industry or even construction or even business owners, right? Like entrepreneurs. So we're, we're the beginning of that. Yes. So we've learned a lot of things the hard way. Yeah. So, yeah. So get into that. Yeah. All right. So, I, so the, so the meager beginnings, uh, anybody that knows my origin story, hears this number all the time in We started after I had a a, a brief uh, exposure to asphalt maintenance in by working for another company. Um, I I had a delivery job and I I was out in the country delivering products to people's uh, homes. And I saw I had the idea that I was going to start a seal coating company. And I saw a $700 blue pickup truck and I. I, I told the story earlier today. I dr- I remember driving past it and then being like, I think that truck just said seven hundred dollars. This was two thousand and nine. So yeah, like you could still buy trucks for less than a thousand dollars. Yeah, that ran. That ran. Yeah. And, and I backed up and I was I texted to Stephanie. I just saw a seven hundred dollar truck. I think this is what we're going to start with. And so we went back that night and we bought it. And also out in the same kind of country loop that I was on in my delivery job was a guy who just always had stuff out for sale. And one of the reoccurring items was steel 55-gallon drums. Okay. So I was like, if I get two of those, that's 100 gallons. I do. I I did the same thing. Right? Oh, yeah. And so I ratchet strapped those to the back of a, a, there was a toolbox, and then there was two 55-gallon drums in the back of this short bed pickup truck. And I drove, I drove home. I, in the morning was a Saturday morning. I drove and filled them up with sealer and I drove back. I had already sold jobs and told those people I would be there that weekend to do their, do their driveways. So I wrangle Stephanie up (laughs) and I'm like, get the crew. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The whole crew. Right. And we come down from our apartment and she goes, I said, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do. And I explained it to her mm-hmm. and she looked at me because she's was more progressive thinking than I, I was. And she said, how are we going to get the seal coat out of the 55 gallon drums and into the five gallon buckets? I said, we were going to carry these buckets up the driveway. Mm-hmm. We're going to pour them out on the driveway. We're going to seal coat it and enter in Stephanie's into or it, it, inspirational thinking. To the dollar store we went. To the dollar store. And yes. we uh, bought some Kool-Aid pitchers. And so we Kool-Aid pitchered the, the sealer into the five-gallon buckets and carried the buckets up the driveway. But we were we were smart enough. We bought the Kool-Aid pitcher that, that had an open bottom so we could hang the 
the, the yes. pitcher on the yeah. 55 gallon it's very truck. innovative it was, yeah, it was innovation at its finest <laughs> some of the sealer out of the truck yeah so some of it not all Just of it, some but some of it yes because <laughs> yeah i remember it gets really slippery and yeah. oh yeah oh yeah so you did driveways uh, that first weekend did, yep yep in 2009 yep and we keep going then i decided that i i i could go bigger than that so i i'd saved up enough money seal coating driveways i bought a 3800 dollar truck i think it was like 3750 mm -hmm. um and it was a it was a three quarter ton so i put a 275 gallon square tank in the back of it and did a long hose over top the tailgate and you could fill buckets on the ground now, but you it had two valves. So I, you know, I figured that part out. And then we it's still not an agitated tank though. No, no I had I had three extensions oh. on a paddle and I would I had a cordless drill, yeah, like six batteries. It was like a black and decker old orange drill, cordless, obviously. I and I would I you could mix the tank enough uh that I felt like I was doing it correctly. And we then seal coated enough that my our third truck to start our second season was a fifteen hundred gallon spray truck, but proper agitation, everything it was a real dual diaphragm pump uh, or setup, and we were at that point it was like a rocket ship for us, right? Yeah. Like we we no, could go no do more anything. delivery job after the first few months. No, I I I sold forty five thousand dollars in work in one day went to a work meeting the next day and told the owner of the delivery company, I said, um, well, I set a record yesterday. And he was like, what's that? And I said, I, I sold $45,000 in work. And he said, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? And I said, I have to quit my job. So then I, I did, I left the, I left my position and Stephanie was, had a, had a, a, a job uh, as an office administrator. And she said, do you think that I could quit my job too. So I do. You, do you think that this could support us? Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were only living in an apartment at that time, so and I, we didn't have high expenses. I said, "Well, I said, let me just do some math real quick. Do you think you can help me get like two extra driveways a week? Yeah. And if you can, then we're going to outpace what your take-home pay was. Mm -hmm. So I think. And she was like, "Yeah, for sure, I can yeah. do that." And we never looked back. So. No. So then, so that was in 2009. By 2011. To start the season, you had more capacity. Yeah, 2010 yeah. is when we. So that was the the spring of 2010. Um, we were. I that was during the height of the decline of the market. And the housing oh, market yeah. in Michigan was closing, um, so we were able to find a, a paving company that was going out of business, and we were. I I went back. I found out that there was a, a an upset in a previous buyout for the for the owner, and I went back and I negotiated the deal. And it was a godsend. It, you, you, if I described it to you in numbers, no one would believe me the amount of money <laughs> that I made off of this portfolio of work that this gentleman gave to me because he wanted all the driveways that he had sweat equity in to mm -hmm. be properly maintained for the future because that was one of the promises he made to the to the the homeowners and the yeah. property owners. And he had such great rapport with that that client base that a lot of times we would call through them and they would just sign right, you know, because we were ex we were handling them well. What a gift. Yeah. It, it was yeah. It yeah. Was, so it was, and that was our second season. So we bought that company's portfolio and his some of his equipment. Yeah. And that that's when we really took off. So yeah. 
have a similar story. In 2008, we bought out not contacts, but we bought out a bunch of equipment from a guy, Sukota, going out of business. Okay. We still have some of that equipment. Wow. Yeah. You know? That's Not awesome. a lot of it. We don't. Yeah. We got rid of a lot of it. Yeah. We've got a great deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's a good year to get deals. Yeah. Yeah. You he know, was liquidating things. Period. Yeah. No time period from 2008 to 2012. There was a lot of struggle for yeah. sure. So you started oh, similar to my story. I started in 83 contracting and mm-hmm. 87 uh, paving, but like in a recession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not very smart. Some, right? Maybe it's the perfect time I was to get say, it. We were really time. affected by it. So, um, we well, ended up getting a house and all the upgrades that happen when you start making more money. So then we really set a plan in motion and we've kind of been evolving that ever yes. since. So, so sometimes during recession periods, people will, they need to know they need to do something. So they do maintenance rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the full deal, full meal deal, whatever it would yeah. be for them. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, so... We expect this year to have our maintenance side go up just because the residential side of our business in Oregon is, is kind of slow. Okay. So, so we expect that to be, there to be a jump there, mm-hmm. you know? So sometimes it's good to have a little bit of financial trouble. This being an election year, people are going to yeah you know, not have the same confidence probably. Yeah. There's that. a lot of yeah. questions up in the air yeah. of what's going to happen. So yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah. So we might be doing less for people less dollars but i mean as you know seal coating is there's good profit in it you know there's like we're not non-profit companies no we do okay right so well that's good uh as you look out okay so let's see 11 so you're now how many years in this will be our 15th 15th season season how many people do you have working with you so we have a team of usually around 10 at the peak of our season okay um, we're down to a staff of five right now. Yeah. And then, um, our, our, our labor team will, will probably be between 10 and 15 this year when okay. we're all built out. So we'll have a few more supporting roles. Um, we're, we're going through the same hiring challenges that other people are going through. Um, you know, but I, I heard a, an inspirational, uh, request and I, and I, I reflect back to my religion um, because I know that that is a constant con- that conversation that you have on this podcast. Yep. Um, and I think more people should say this. And when I say it, I think it makes sense. But our our morning prayer should involve God, send me winners. Huh. Right? Yeah. Send me winners. Because that is the easiest path in connecting people that are on a mission of self-improvement, I believe is divinely created. So those, those times where you are looking, you're not quite sure what you need. I believe that we can, we can rely on the power of prayer to fill that and to fulfill the needs of not only the business owner, but of the person that's the candidate looking for that fit. Yeah, that's for sure. I like that. Send me winners. Yeah. God send me winners. And you're just, you're just, you're asking I don't believe it's prideful. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's it, it's it's targeted in any way or ex, or, or excluding any excluding, population. Yeah. I think what it is is that it just says, send me people that this is going to be an efficient use of your time that you've given us. Right. Yeah. What we've discovered at KNL is that often they don't come in as winners. You know, the, send me the winners you want here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because in two years, five years, 
you know, eight years, they're going to, they're going to see some major good things, changes, winning in their mm -hmm. life, more wins than losses. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. You know, and sometimes we don't see it right away. Mm -hmm. We've had several that within the first year, we thought there is no way they're making it. And then all of a sudden they just stay long enough to start getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, wow, look at that. You know, they, yeah. they're buying in. They're, they're really starting to see it and starting to grow. So that's, that's good. But I like that. If we start out asking for winners, then, you know, you, you hear what you listen for, you see what you look for, you know, mm -hmm. you, so true, you, you know, and, and if we're looking for the people that are gonna, that we can help and that, and that can help us and we can be a, literally a team that moves forward in growth that really, I think it really matters. So I really like that. Yeah. And I, and I wonder when you, when you said that about the time period, it made me think that maybe some of those second chances that they get mm -hmm. inside K&L, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that time to really sit in and, uh, and, and blossom mm -hmm. is what gives them the opportunity to blossom, like to become yes. that winner. So, you know, by not being short-sighted on and being able to, to go walk through those failures with them. And the times that maybe they didn't get it a hundred percent right, yeah, um, you you end up with that bounty, right? Like it's it's sowing, of, mm -hmm. in a way, yeah. building up the relationship. It is, and then when you've got some high achieving people around that are really bought into the culture and the mission and everything we do, then honestly, we don't have to worry about elimination mm -hmm. because if they're not a fit, they're just not going to fit, mm -hmm. and so so they're just what we call self-eliminate. Yeah. It, we rarely have to fire people because they just don't stick long enough mm -hmm. anyway. If yeah. Fit. So, yeah, I like that. So 15 years, what do you see 10 years from now? So 10 years from now starts to be in the phase where we, where we want to be able to be, that's the beginning of our exit strategy. Okay. Is in 10 years. Our, our children will be out of the house and we'll be able to step into the the transformation of of finding who's the best fit to take on what we created. So we we we've designed it to be from we didn't have strategy in the beginning, right? Yeah. Nothing. We were no. we survival were survival mode, survival mode. Two fifty five gallon drums right. in a truck and we had no plan. Yeah. We yeah. just knew we needed to sell jobs. Make. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then after we we realized that we were we were people in process light. We also knew we were void of any strategy. Yeah. So once we put that into place, we had to really do some things to build up to a point where we could really get the track record and and, and the time yeah. to make it a saleable business. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that so that now and and then our our son will be age of maturity majority at that time in ten years from now. So that's really. Where yeah. we find ourselves. And who knows, right? Mm -hmm. You can, if you have a great business, you can, you can sell it. If you have a great business, you can, you can keep it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and in theory, run it from a distance. Yeah. Uh, that seems really hard to me. I'm still trying to figure out what that <laughs> looks like, but uh, you have options. Yeah. So, I think that one of the hardest hurdles as an entrepreneur or business owner is uh, accepting that you're not good at everything, mm. right? And so the last couple of years, that has been a hard lesson for me to learn because I'm a I'll just do it myself type of person. 
recovering from that, I guess. Um, and so, but as we delegate and as we onboard people that are then, um, and someone said it on a call that we were on last week, he said, I was wearing seven hats and I gave one hat to someone that I onboarded and they're handling that one hat better than I was because they don't have the six other hats. They're only focused on the one hat that I gave them. And so once you start delegating and onboarding people and building this team, it becomes about more than just you. Like now this is bigger than us. Yeah. Right. So then your 10 year plan or your goals start to really shift. And like you said earlier, um, you know, your dream has to fit everybody's dream under this sort of umbrella. And so that's what we're dealing with now is like processes and and making sure that everybody's dream fits. So setting goals with our team, I think, you know, will help even more so outline what the future holds. Yeah. So. Good. So in 10 years, you're roughly how old then? I'll if you be, don't mind sharing. <laughs> woo, I'll be almost 50. I'll be 47 in 10 years. Yeah, and, I, and I'll be 51. Yeah. 50, okay. Turning 52. That is a, that's an amazing time in life. You know, I do have some regrets and that was one of them that I didn't plan well like that. Mm. I turned 60 this last year and it didn't freak me out, but it has made me think legacy a lot more. It has made me look back and say, oh, I could have, I could have done things better from a mm-hmm. strategy standpoint. And, and, uh, I, thankfully I didn't ever hate what I did you mm-hmm. know, and that's good. You don't want to hate it, but, yeah. but do I love it? Am I passionate for the work? No, it's about the people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can do that anywhere. I can feed, you know, I can build into people anywhere. So it doesn't yeah. have to be this company. It could be elsewhere. But uh, but does that handicap us in a way? Like I I ponder that sometimes. Does doing, like we love it, right? So does that handicap our goal setting? Like, do we not think so far into the future because we're so like in this, you know, right now? I don't know if that makes sense, but. Because we enjoy what we, we are enjoying. Still. Like we enjoy our life, right? Yeah. I don't feel like yes. we're married to something right now that we just can't like function you know we yeah we travel and so i feel like sometimes maybe that handicaps us like looking too far ahead because we're just because it's good yeah yeah even though i mean we live in a growth mindset and we're always like learning and students of life and all of that but it yeah i don't know it's an interesting thought yeah i i have thought that and that's and that part of my 60 year old thinking honestly is well what would i do if i could Mm-hmm. And and then how does that align with God and what He put me on the serve to do? And do those things line up? Well, they may be close, but then I need to think about well, what does line up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And so someday ways it does handicap. I've been reading a book by uh, David Green that is the CEO of the uh, founder, at least of Hobby Lobby. Oh, okay. And he says that he and his family on his behest, like he's pushed into this, they look out 150 years because they're looking eight wow. generations down line. Wow. That's say, very say, impressive. What if, yes. <laughs> I have been looking to my fifth generation because I actually might meet them because I married young. Some of my kids married young, you know, and so I'm looking out saying I might actually, if I live to 85 to 90, yeah, I might meet my fifth generation. Wow. Well, to me, that, that set me on my heels and I'm like, whoa, then I need to plan for them. Mm-hmm. What am I passing to them? What legacy am I, am I giving them and the world that they're involved in at that time that 
that is solid today, it'll still be solid then. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but then I read this book and it's like, well, that's, that's like four times further out. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not bad thinking to think what, what can we be and how to not limit, you know, so do we love what we do, but how can we not limit? Yeah. What God really put us on this earth to be because he, he matures us. Mm-hmm. And so where do we go with those thoughts? I don't even know yet. Yeah. My it's, brain can't even think that far ahead. No. Like, <laughs> generationally. So, and, and, but it's interesting that you say that about the, the multiple generations, because I started a project this year uh, that was a, a part of my my New Year's resolutions um, was that I, I wanted to start to record some real-time thoughts of where I was on the 15th of every month Hmm. for my children to be able to share with people that I don't meet. Because like, I have very few videos of my my father. And they're like always recorded around holidays. You know, it'd be him sitting in an armchair smoking a cigarette in the 80s, talking about what's happening in his life. But he's not talking one-on-one to the camera. Yeah. It's just a conversation that's getting picked up because someone left it on the tripod, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Old camcorder. Yeah. Oh, sure. And I had a brother-in-law that was really, really good at that. I, my dad had a, a family before me, so I was, I was born an uncle, right? So I, there was always older brothers and older siblings around. Um, and he was really good at shoving cameras in people's faces during <laughs> holiday functions. Um, but it made me think that we have the opportunity to do that in the moment. And to talk with with video capturing and content to capture in real time what's going on in your life, speaking to them. And like in the one that I recorded on January 15th, I was like a car drives by. We're on a mountaintop in in Tennessee. A car drives by on the road. And I said, oh, sorry. And and I I even used the word automobile in the video. I'm like an automobile just passed. Right. And you're like, where'd that come from? Yeah. And I was like, I go. And then I thought like. What do you guys even have around you right now? Yeah. What an interesting fantasy to, I don't even know. I can't even maybe conceptualize what is, what vehicles are around you, you know, and and the purpose of the videos and the series that I plan to create is, is really just to capture some content so that people that I don't meet can be introduced to me Mm -hmm. in a, in a video journal of sorts, right? Like you might uncover a a writing or a a newspaper article about an ancestor, um, but an actual one-on-one account. So. Yeah, it was interesting that you said that about generations. Yeah, it's it's really made me think, you know, we have a family business and potentially a generational business. You don't know yet. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. But we still need to think legacy. Like, what what are we going to leave in this earth? Yeah, we're gone. For sure. And I have to not be concerned about my grandkids knowing my 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 great, 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 great grandkids knowing my name. But I want to know my values. I want to know what I actually meant to leave. Mm, yeah and that means that i need to think about well what do i actually mean to leave yeah it's a pretty heavy thought it is <laughs> you know? yeah but then you have to yeah. act upon it right so that those things it. are yeah. noticed actually and... document things yeah and, and be genuine have to do things like this that are that are real mm-hmm. you know say say what's on your mind so that they know yeah so the values come out right yeah of course then we got to be the value right exactly on the inside it's you know you can't be fake because people see it. They know. Yeah. It. So we met. You see the backdrop here. People can see it. Uh, NPE. We're in Tampa. 
what's you've been here for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest takeaway so far? I'll let you start. What's my biggest takeaway? Or the one you like to talk about. But yeah, it's got um, list probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, gosh, I don't know if I can. I've taken three classes today. One of them was yours. I loved uh, the sit down and the fireside talk um, for sure. Servant leadership is something that I am like, I strive to be like, I want to, you know, be that. I want that to be noticeable. I love pouring into people. So learning new ways that I can do that. Um, And I think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways so far outside of the classroom is connecting with other individuals that have um, that do things differently than we do. And those conversations were sparked after classes in your class and after our first class um, and recruitment, you know, and then having the sidebar conversations afterwards to figure out what other people are doing, what's working. Um, I love those little takeaways because it's, it's things that we can implement. Um, and I, and it sparks different ideas for me. So good. What about you? So I, I think a big takeaway, I am, we brought more people from the company here this year than we ever have. Um, and this feels awesome. And this was (laughs) great. It was very, they're all in classes, um, young guys. And they kind of asked like, what do we need? Now they've traveled with me out of state to do installations before. So like I had to lay the groundwork that like, we're, we're not doing any work. It's all class room based. We're going to be in a conference center. You know, like you don't have to bring your seal coat clothes, um, <laughs> and, but but you need your brain to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but focus, and I'll give you some notebooks and stuff. Yeah. Um, but and the the thing that I I think I uncovered for myself, so I don't know if it's a takeaway or a realization, um, but events like this, because I, I believe when you when you work seasonally, it's easy to have self doubt creep in mm-hmm. when you're in your in your slow season, and a a, a young gentleman that that we network with. Um, he had used the phrase that he didn't want to stop speaking asphalt mm-hmm. for too long. So he actually transported his business down to Florida and is trying to operate down here with the plans of going back to New Hampshire, right? Like mm-hmm. he just, but just so he didn't lose that momentum in his speech. Um, and what I, what I think it does is yes, it keeps those, those terms and the terminology fresh in your mind, but it also mm-hmm. gives you a chance to be around other contractors and not like a comparative first, better, best kind of thing. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to realize your value, mm-hmm. right? And to say like, wait, oh no, I, I do know what I'm your doing. Your knowledge, yeah. Yeah, and and I and I do have a place in the industry. I do have a place in my market mm-hmm. and I want to continue that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so I think rather than, when, especially in the beginning of a, of a seasonal business, you might start to realize like this gap is this, it's very, just a huge chasm to, yeah. to bridge. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't have that reliance or self-conviction, self-belief during that time, it might be easy to say like, yeah, I'm going to go get a job back at Kroger, you know? Yeah. yeah. And walk back, walk backwards. I have two more things. Hmm. So, because I think that also being in a environment like this, something you said, um, there's nothing you can break that we can't fix. Right. Together as a team. I wrote that down so fast because I feel like as a leader, it's hard for me to come from that place. Mm -hmm. Right. So and to be authentic. And to be authentic. Right. And so you said that I'm like that. I need to implement that like right away. That's genius. I need to put that on my desk and like look at it every day because it's true. Right. It's true. And then just also like 
learning the tools. We just came out of a, a recruitment class and we were talking about speaking the language of the new employee. And she put a job description up on the the screen that was so out of the box, like mm. speaking a totally different language of these young kids, I can say now. It was I'm a like, very unconventional job. It was job, a very but, unconventional but way. I but believe it's effective. Yeah. And I, so it's like those little things that you can take and then wow. plug into your business for, you know, just a little bit of, of success in that area is it's invaluable. So I think there's so many different things that come at you at these that it's hard to like pinpoint one thing because yeah, you're sure. just like, ah, I'm on overload right yeah. now. But those. Yeah, I call it getting conference. Yes. And so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We take all in right now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's actually a, a verb. <laughs> <laughs> we are conferenced at this point. Yes. But then as you sit here and think about it, they all start to spill out. So, yeah. 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 Good. But lots of takeaways already for day one. So it's good. Good. That is good. And your team is doing good. And fantastic. Yeah. I assume you'll catch up on, with them on their takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. We're that's their feed them dinner. Yep. We're going to go to dinner and then we're going to do a networking meeting. We told or, them that that a, was a, their a circle. Yeah. Circle. That was their responsibility while they were here is that they need to take notes and be like confident in sort of talking about it with everybody on the good. team so that we're all, you know, on board and they can kind of teach what they're learning. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good. So to wrap up, I like to do this, this one thing that you need to imagine for a moment that you get to crawl through this mic and down through this cord and you're walking down a walkway with somebody with, with ear pods in or riding next to them in the car. And you've got, you got 30 seconds to a minute and you're going to poof, you're going to be gone. They've heard all of this, heard about greatness. They've heard your story that what you've learned you got 30 seconds to a minute you're going to disappear what do you tell them wow that's heavy um do you want to go 100 percent. okay <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm 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 i've been spoken to so what i would say is something that i heard recently in a in a church service and if you don't think you're a leader just realize that you're a leader. You're leading someone in your life. And if you live alone on a solitary island, you have to lead yourself. So this still applies. Leadership is creating a safe place for someone to climb up a ladder that you've built together. Hmm. But creating that safe place still has words of correction, words of enthusiasm, and words of empowerment. So it's it's not this happy, rosy place that never has friction. And you spoke about friction. Mm -hmm. But it is a place that together you you create an environment for that enrichment, that empowerment, that encouragement. And if you're struggling with how to be a better leader, think about how you can build that safe place to do those things and still be able to provide correction. Because that's that's something that I I believe I, I failed at in leadership was being the nice guy. We talked about that, yeah. today, right? Being yeah. too nice, being overly giving, not overly permissive, right? Yeah. And it's easy when you're on the pendulum swing to see 
I've been too authoritative. I've been too much of a director. I've been micromanaging to then swing all the way over to the other side and just say, like, I don't know where I'm supposed to care now. Yeah. But creating that safe place, still giving some correction and that enthusiasm. Stephanie's looking at me either like she's thrilled or like I stole the words out of her mouth. <laughs> One of the two. I think that's a great place that's to wrap great. it. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, you were happy. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, okay. great. Oh, it's that's great. Good. It's great. It's good. But that's that. If you're struggling with leadership, I would say that that's a really good place to start. Yeah. It is. Okay. You're on. That was a great church service too. It was. He did steal, steal a little bit of my words as he, he was saying that. So, um, I'm on. Okay. So 30 seconds to tell someone. Crawl back through the mic. Crawl through the mic. If you're in their ears, you'll yeah. have them for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did more than a minute. Okay. You have 30 seconds. Well, he did repeat it though. So he could have, he could have. The edit. Got the, the the, yeah. They can. So I, yeah. I think I will um, <laughs> edit that down a little. Um, I'll go with the community vibe too. I feel like not being alone um, is really important. And so if I could speak into someone's earbuds while they're walking on the boardwalk, I would tell them that they're not alone. Um, and to, uh, never feel like you're going through something that someone else hasn't or isn't going through. Um, so to build a community around you of people that you feel safe talking with and, um, yeah. And to walk the boardwalk with others and not by yourself. I appreciate what you both said because it has intentional thoughts, heart, and action behind it. I also appreciate both of you as we wrap up that we didn't talk a ton about faith, although it was alluded to mm -hmm. in, the, you know, in this yeah. last half hour or whatever it's been, but it's obvious. So good job. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot. You know, yeah. You don't, you don't wear it in, in you know, in, the way I say it, you know, wear it ugly, mm. you know, you, you wear it like it's supposed to be worn, like, like it's glory, mm -hmm. like his glory. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to be real and, and people are, how can we help? You know, yeah. because kind of that's what Jesus did. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was harsh at times, corrective, mm -hmm. but he also was uh, relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, he hung out with the hurting, the community. Yeah. Right. Well, good. So we'll wrap up today with the one thing I like to say to the listeners. These two have, have helped you see, if you didn't see it before, a more clear pathway to greatness. Through some disciplines, through some things, through faith, other things that you've provided for us. Mm -hmm. So with that. Oh, can we do it together? Yes. Yeah, let's yes. do it together. So with that, go, go be great. great. <laughs> that was so good. That's my uh, favorite part. <laughs>